0: It was a shorter night last night, and we begin our morning worship just a bit more tired than usual. We thank you, Lord, for alarm clocks and birds and for the smell of freshly brewed coffee that helped. Thank you, God, for resurrecting us and all creation in this latitude. Fill our mouths with laughter, O God. With our tongues we shout for joy. You have done great things for us, O God. We come before you with praise on our lips. Let us worship God. Please join me in prayer. Most gracious and loving God, there are times in our lives when being extravagant is the only way we can express how profound and deep our love is. We know that our extravagance is wasteful. People are dying as we speak, dying for lack of basic needs. But Lord, we want to express the profoundness of our love, the depth of our thankfulness, and our continuing desire for more of you. So God, please accept the wastefulness of our worship of you. Amen.
1: How astounding it is that God's wasteful grace is extended to each one of us. So let us use this responsive confessional. Let's confess our sins together for...
0: We sin in thought, word, and deed by what?
1: We confess to you, O God, all our past unfaithfulness. We confess that we have given in to pride, hypocrisy, and impatience in our lives. We acknowledge our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves. We recognize our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to commend the faith that is in us. Receive, O oh God, our apology and requests for forgiveness for all false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts toward neighbors, and for our prejudice and contempt toward those who are different from us. Please, We recognize that we do not want to abuse your love, O God, but we ask that in your great mercy you will forgive and renew us. In the New Testament, Paul reminds us that he counted everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Through Christ came the righteousness God based on faith, not personal attainment. From faith came the promise of resurrection from the dead. Friends in Christ... Forgetting what lies behind, let us press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therein lies assurance that we are forgiven. Please be seated, friends. Our prophetic lesson for today comes from Isaiah chapter 43, and I invite you to hear God's word to each one of us. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick remember the former things, or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Thanks, Carrie. I'm going to invite children to join me up here. Now, I need someone who is willing to have some perfume put on their hand. Who might be willing to let me put some perfume on their hand, anybody? You would be, come on up. I'm gonna put some on each hand, okay? Uh, turn your hand over, I'll put it on the back. That's one, and then I'll put some on this one. Okay, now, do you wanna smell both of your hands? Do they smell different? They don't? (laughs) Hmm. See if you can tell the difference, Aaron. What do you think? Smell for one. No, move them aside a little bit. (laughs) No. Not too good, huh? This is interesting. I want to let you know that you have a man's perfume on one and a woman's perfume on the other. Now, the name of the woman's perfume is Grace. And the name of the man's perfume is Aramis. So if any man or woman calls you George during coffee hour today, (laughs) they're probably thinking they're smelling the Aramis nearby. Well, tell me, Do you like to use perfume or do you think not? That's not your style. Did you know that some perfumes are really very, very expensive? And sometimes people pay a lot of money to smell like that? Yeah, they do. And we're going to be reading a story later in the Bible today about a woman who puts perfume on the feet of Jesus. And then guess what she does? She decides it's pretty heavy-smelling perfume, and she wipes the perfume on his feet with her hair. Do you think there's anybody here who would like to give that a shot? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, probably not anybody wants to wipe the perfume with their hair. However, in that part of the Bible where this story is told, it says the perfume kind of filled the house. Now, when you go to Sunday school today, if you want, you can stop off into the restroom and wash your hands. Would that work? Good? Yeah. That's good. Why don't you stay right here? I'm going to invite someone you know very well, our elder today, Betsy Wilson, to come up and make an introduction to the family. And I'm going to ask the Hokinson family to come join me in the chancel too.
2: On behalf of the session, I present John Robert Hokinson, son of John Paul and Robin Alyssa Avery Hokinson, to receive the sacrament of baptism.
0: Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ: All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them. All that I observe and have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always. Obeying the words of our Lord Jesus, and sure of his presence with us, we baptize those whom he would call to be his own. Know that the promises of God are for you. By baptism, God puts his sign on you to show that you belong to him and gives you his Holy Spirit as a guarantee. As you present your son for baptism... You announce your faith in Christ Jesus and you show that you want your child to love him and know him. So who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Do you trust in him? And you intend that Jack here will be his disciple to obey his word and show his love to you? You're gonna hold a little bit? Would you give me Jack's complete Christian name? John Robert Hokinson. John Robert Hokinson, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Do you think he'll come to me? This is tough. This is John Robert Hokinson. These are people here who will know you and love you particularly. And there's mom and dad over there. That's right. And these are strangers out here. Let me remind you that this family comes all the way from Marshfield, Massachusetts. And Robin may have been the last person to have been baptized here by Dick Kiesel. And uh, so we're glad that you're here on this wonderful day. Uh, We're glad that you had to get up so extra early for the baptism. And a a, a real blessing, I guess, is coming your way come about September too, right? Maybe another baptism in the future uh, because there's a, a special surprise God has for you. Betsy, would you lead us in prayer? Yes,
2: please. Will the members of the congregation please stand? Do you, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture John Robert Hokuson by work and deed with love and prayer, encouraging him to know and follow Christ and to be a faithful member of his church? Please play with, pray with me. Enter, living God, in your mercy. You promised to be not only God, our God, but also the God of our children. We thank you for receiving John Robert Hokinson by baptism. Keep him always in your love. Guide him as he grows in faith. Protect him in all the dangers and temptations of life. Bring him to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And be his faithful disciple to life's end. Gracious God, giver of all life, we also pray for his parents, John and Robin. Give them wisdom and patience to guide their child in the way of Jesus Christ and the faith of the church. Let your peace and joy dwell in their home. That their family life may be instructed by faith, strengthened by prayer, and governed by love. Strengthen them in their own baptism, that they may rejoice as children of, God, children of God and serve you faithfully in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Now, Jack, I'm glad that you want to come <coughs> on over here. I knew that he really wanted to be with these other children. You can all be seated for a moment. <laughs> Carrie has brought down these gifts for you. Thank you, Carrie. Here is a candle. It has the symbols of baptism and um, people used to light candles during the first century when at baptism, then relight them actually at that person's funeral. But perhaps about a year from now you could relight it and remember the importance of this day and the promises you make. Presbyterian women from this congregation have made this blanket for you to give Jack. And this is a certificate of baptism for this day. May God bless you. And any time Jack wants to join all the children up here, he's welcome to join them because that would be wonderful. May God bless you all. And would you like to go to Sunday school now? I think that would be great. Have a great day.
1: Our epistle lesson for today is Paul writing to the Philippians and to us. I invite you to hear God's word to you. If anyone else has, has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet. the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: When Mary poured a rich perfume on Jesus' weary feet. Her caring filled that humble room. The fragrance there was sweet. But full of anger, Judas said, We could have used this more. Why was her gift not sold instead and given to the poor? John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover... Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. Jesus said, leave her alone. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. And when the great crowd of Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because Jesus to see him, but to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and believing now in Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Find yourselves desperately in need of the latest accessories for the Christian lifestyle? Who knew that there was actually an international Christian retail show? A gathering of those businesses and churches who sell distinctively Christian oriented merchandise. Some of them are bookstores of various types who want to carry these lifestyle accessories. There are testaments, and Carrie gave me some of them this morning. These are testaments. (laughs) These are mints that are individually wrapped within copies of the most quotable Bible verses. You can grasp the sword of the Spirit in your personal battle against evil halitosis, and you can have great breath while sharing the gospel with others. Now, many in our congregation, especially parents and grandparents of young children, have plunked a CD into that player of yours that tells the vegetary story, the Veggie Tales story of Tom the tomato or Larry the cucumber. But there are also Veggie Tales puppets and games and Halloween costumes. Instead of Fruit of the Loom underwear, there is Fruit of the Spirit underwear and tote bags. There is an Cube. It's a Rubik's Cube device with biblical words and verses that you twist and match. But some of these are really yesterday's Christian lifestyle accessories. Every year brings something new and the old can quickly become passé in today's burgeoning Christian merchandise demand which at last year totaled $4.3 billion worth of business in the United States in annual sales. At a more recent retailers convention, eyebrows were raised in anticipation of the riveting new ways we could market Jesus. Consider gospel golf balls. What better conversation starter in the tee box than a portion of scripture emblazoned across your golf ball. Dave Cruz, president of the company, teaming now with Top Flight to produce the balls, has added a welcome word for Christian duffers. They no longer need to be frustrated when losing a sliced ball into the rough because who knows what pagan might find that ball later on. And if you're spraying the ball, well, lose a golf ball, share the gospel. I once was lost, but now I'm found. (laughs) It's hard not to turn away from the display of all of this Jesus junk. It's like the accident on the side of the thruway. You don't want to look at it as you drive by, but you can't help stop to see Well, then consider this product as the capstone of the new list of lifestyle accessories available for Christian consumption. It is Virtuous Woman, a Christian perfume line. Virtuous Woman perfume comes packaged with a passage in Proverbs 31, from which it borrows its tagline, Virtuous Woman, her worth is far more valuable than rubies." Its website claims that it is a fragrance experience that engages the body, mind, and spirit. Is it possible that one's perfume can express one's spirituality? Well, retailer Milton Hobbs claims that what makes his floral fragrance distinctively Christian is that it can become an evangelistic tool. It should be enticing enough, the perfume should be, to provoke questions like, what's that you're wearing? And then you have the opportunity to talk about your faith. I mean, there's no reason to doubt Hobbes' sincerity, but aren't there already enough well-known perfumes that a woman could wear with which to debate and switch the conversation? That smells lovely. What are you wearing? Oh, that's Obsession by Calvin Klein. I'm really obsessed with Jesus. (laughs) Or, oh, that's Eternity. Do you know where you're going after you die? (laughs) Oh, you must be smelling my romance by Ralph Lauren because God so loved the world. I've probably gone a bit too far. But ironically, this concept of a Christian fragrance is found in the biblical text. I found a verse that I had not noticed before when looking at the gospel passage. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. For we are the fragrance of Christ to God, those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. I know it's taken a little too long to get to the passage, but our gospel passage gives us this tangible image of what being Christ's aroma might look like through the example of Jesus and the example of this wasteful woman and the scent she brought. And yes, I did borrow that title from, I filched it from a 1992 film starring Al Pacino and Chris O'Donnell. That made a great impact on me, especially that scene where Colonel Frank Slade, who is blind and can not only smell a woman's perfume and identify it, but drove that wonderful-looking Ferrari through the city, though he's blind, with his front-seat passenger telling him when to turn left and right. It's worth getting out the Netflix just to see that. Now, many of you are familiar with the sketchy details of the story in John 12, where Mary demonstrates lavish worship by anointing Jesus' feet with expensive perfume. It's part of the lectionary reading and the schedule for it, used by churches all over the world on the fifth Sunday of Lent this year. So what are we going to make about this? Well, last week, we uh, spent more time in the gospel Um, Or at least I think we should have spent more time there. And we could have focused on the prodigal son. The word prodigal actually means wasteful. And when I thought about the story, if I thought about it through the eyes of the older brother, I think I would have labeled the story the story of the prodigal dad because in some ways he appears to be the most wasteful. Then I realized... Wastefulness shows up in this week's text, too. Jesus was different. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, the region was gushing with heightened interest in the one who had just raised one of their own from the dead. Faithful Jews, even non-Jews, were curiously seeking to know more about this rabbi. Quite a few years ago now, Jerry Mello, who was with us in worship this morning, and Martha and I stopped at the tomb of Lazarus. Nearby was the house of a woman who offered to give you a tour of her Palestinian home for a few dollars. We did not go, but we did see her climb later into her BMW our guide told us that she was now headed to her actual home, that her peasant-looking clothes were really her costume for this old home beside the tomb of Lazarus, that she had paid a premium price to own this traditional holy site of Jesus' miracle, and the house was actually her business. Then our guide led us to the tomb It was not damp, as I had supposed. It was dry and musty. The traditional site where Jesus had raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. If you recall the story about that, Jesus was at first berated for having taken so long to get to Bethany and to the house of Lazarus. And they kind of said to him, You know, Lord, if you had come a little quicker, Our friend Lazarus would not have died. But you just took a little too long to get here. And so Jesus said, Would you please remove the stone from the tomb? And they said, We can't do that. It smells so bad. He's been dead for a number of days. We could not stand the odor. The stone was removed. And you know what happened? Lazarus was raised. Jesus had this reputation. The aroma of the Christ had already filtered through the countryside. He was not only uh, different, he was very intentional. You probably didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the first few words of this passage. It, it was six days before the Passover. So according to our reading, this event took place just before Jesus was going to celebrate the Last Supper, almost a week earlier. It is at the beginning of the last week of Jesus' life. He had little time left to lead, and he had little time left to make an impact on hearers and followers. He captured most every fleeting opportunity to demonstrate the nature of the kingdom he hoped to bring. Martha was serving the meal. At least she's very consistent here. And the recently dead Lazarus dined with Jesus at the table. This is a very funny time for a kingdom lesson. But dead trees, drawing water from a well, a storm in a boat, those are the common fair kinds of things that Jesus encountered, which quickly became his teaching devices And notice here that elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus does not bait and switch people with any fragrance-to-faith tactics. He uses what presents himself at the time. He does so intentionally. He takes the opportunity to utilize any spiritual conversation starter that might present itself. A meal is interrupted by this worship event. Jesus' example gives us insight into the lens through which he observed our world. God is working all things for God's purpose. Jesus was different, he was intentional, and he faced an honored cost. The author of the Gospel, John, gives us deliberate details of the dinner, especially when he demonstrates the humble, extravagant cost that Mary was to provide as her act of worship. And by the way, we really don't know from the text which Mary this was. We don't know if it was Mary, the sister of Martha, or was it Mary Magdalene, or some other Mary. But she did have pure nard. She was about to pour it out, and she would then convert her own hair into a servant's foot towel. Judas objected about the ridiculous expense and he tells us that the value of the perfume was a year's wages 25,000 50,000 $150,000 I mean would you spend that kind of money on a bottle of perfume and then dump it on somebody's feet even the people who were watching this extravagance thought she was nuts John wants us to know that there is a huge cost and sacrifice for Mary. How beautiful a thing to do. And the extravagant scent of Mary's sacrifice filled the room. About this part of the story, I'm really bothered. There are so many ways that I think that Judas Iscariot is right. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? The gospel writer does give us the inside that Judas really didn't care about the poor, but he was rather a thief who used to steal from the common money bag. But of course, we're really caught off guard by Jesus honoring of Mary with the scent of this seemingly wasteful woman's act filling the room, he said, you will always have the poor with you. You will not always have me. I think it's verses like these in the Bible that caused people in Europe centuries ago to make such incredible sacrifices and build those magnificent cathedrals. I've stood inside of them, so have many of you, marveled at the stonework, the stained glass, vaulted ceilings, delicately carved but massive altars. And when I've been there, I've had those thoughts as any smug Reformation theologian. Would it not have been better to have spent the resources used to build this edifice on people rather than this structure? Doesn't the New Testament teach that the church is not a building but a people? Don't we see that in the photographs that hang in our fellowship hall every Sunday? And all of a sudden, God provides some challenge to our thinking. Just when we think we've got it all figured out, God has a different word. It was this time of year that Kurt and I made a trip to New York City to meet Monsignor Richard Albert. Monsignor Albert made an annual pilgrimage to the Big Apple. Why? Because he was head of the St. Patrick's Foundation in Jamaica, a mission that tried to reach the poor children of Riverton. The foundation ran schools in a country that does not see the separation of church and state like we do. The Jamaican government was glad to have the church providing education for the children in a place where the government itself did not have enough resources. And so the St. Patrick Foundation built schools and received some additional aid from the federal government in Jamaica and taught basic skills along with faith. We had hatched a plan to build a gymnasium for one of the schools with people from Pittsburgh. Monsignor Albert came to New York City every St. Patrick's Day and he regularly went to the St. Patrick's Cathedral. Where else would you raise money for the St. Patrick's Foundation other than to come to St. Patrick's Cathedral on St. Patrick's Day? Our plan was to stay at Princeton Theological Seminary in New Jersey and take the train into the city. You see, we wanted to be good stewards of the limited funds that we had, and it seemed cheaper to spend the night in New Jersey at the Continuing Education Center to park our car there for free and then take the train into Manhattan. Monsignor Albert suggested we meet at St. Monica's. That's a Gothic revival church erected in 1906. And beside it was built a three-story convent on East 79th Street. It's on Manhattan's Upper East Side. The school there had closed. And by the way, Dr. Albert, Monsignor Albert, died this past year. It was sad for us to learn the news. When we met, he thanked us for the offer to assist the foundation by building a gym for one of the schools and maybe a playground and other classrooms, but he told us he had been thinking about it and he would much prefer if we could develop a program that would bring our youth in Pittsburgh to work with Jamaican youth in Jamaica rather than build any building. And back in Pittsburgh, we knew that this would be a very tough sell. We were more used to having mission trips that dealt with bricks and mortar projects. Wouldn't we be wasting a lot of time and money to take our children to Jamaica? And we knew what many in Pittsburgh would initially perceive. What they did not know is that all of Jamaica is not the beaches of Ocho Rios. It is not the clubs and cabanas of Montego Bay. The vast majority of the island is mountainous and rural and poor. There on the outskirts of Kingston, where family incomes are closer to about, well, they reach almost $1,000 a year. That is where we would go. That is where the children of Pittsburgh would go. Wouldn't it really be wasteful to have them raise the money for airfare? Would it not be better to just send the funds to the St. Patrick's Foundation? And Monsignor Albert said to us, Absolutely not. If you do that, you will not have the opportunity to touch the hands and the hearts of our children here. Were they the hands and hearts of your children? I know it seems wasteful, he said, but consider the lives that will be changed. It seemed almost wasteful to come all the way from Pittsburgh to Manhattan without going to St. Patrick's Cathedral. So, um, on our way back to Penn Station, we made our way up Fifth Avenue. We stopped at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. It's a great preaching station of all Presbyterians in the country. And then we went to St. Thomas Episcopal Church. If you ever go there, it is one of the most beautiful raridos in all of Christendom, anywhere in the world. And then we went to St. Patrick's. We stood on the front steps. The mass was almost ending there, and we would then go into the church more as tourists than anything. While standing there, a man pulled a small cart, one that I had usually seen women in the city use to drag groceries home to their apartment. He made no eye contact with us, he kept his head down. He asked if we might watch his cart while he went into the church for a few moments. We peered into the cart. It had a blanket, some clothes, an extra pair of shoes, and some food. We didn't know what else, but we said that yes, we could watch it for 10 or 15 minutes. He went into St. Patrick's and came out 10 or 15 minutes later. And this time we had eye contact. (laughs) He thanked us for watching his cart and then offered that he liked to come to this church every day. He said, I feel closer to God there. Anyone can go in, you know. It's a holy space. It doesn't matter what you have. We could see that it was a place that lifted his spirit. And it seemed incredible that his life was brightened so much by this beautiful building built by love and sacrifice. And then we walked up the stairs into the back of the church. People were gathering for the next service, one that would honor St. Patrick. And you could smell the incense as it floated back from Mass. I've had feelings like that at other times. Uh, They come and go. Last Sunday night, we watched Downton Abbey. Did you do that, some of you? I mean, the entire clan of servants who worked below the great house and those who lived above it were there to celebrate the new year. And There was that magnificently redemptive moment when Thomas Barrow was offered the position of becoming the new butler. And then I reflected on the scene of Edith's wedding that occurred at the village church. Actually, throughout the entire six-year series, there have been weddings and baptisms and funerals, all of them conducted at that place. And it was in that church setting that the barriers of those who worked as servants and those who were blessed to own the gracious manor came together. And it occurred to me that the beautiful place had a function as they sat servants, managers and owners in the same pews. So I think about the smell of the perfume and the wasteful act of a woman. And how in our own judgmental ways we righteously condemn the extravagance done by others that really was meant to honor God in some special way. Some of those people have built church buildings in which people gather. They have wastefully consumed donuts together. Bought each other coffee. Made a blanket for a child they didn't know. To much of the world it has been extravagant, wasteful use of time and Money. But I suspect that God probably has anthropomorphic images and thoughts. Like, I think they're beginning to get the idea of the kingdom I intended. And have started to enjoy and help others enjoy the world I created. Well, we can leave the testaments and the scripturally emblazoned golf balls behind. But surely the world will pick up on the scent of the wastefully faithful, the wastefully penitent, and the wastefully loving.
1: The Lord replied, leave her alone. She bought it for this day. This caring love that she has shown is faithful to God's way. The poor will always be with you, but you will not have me. He blessed her and he thanked her too, giving lavishly. Please join me in the offertory prayer. Generous God, we are wasteful with our time, our talents, and our resources. We waste them on the things of this world. And thieves steal. But when it comes to the things that are important, such as our dedication to your church and sometimes our dedication to our friends and family, our wasteful actions come to a halt. Help us, O God, be wise like Mary and be extravagant to the point of wasteful when it comes to you. We ask to recommit our time, our resources, and our energy for Jesus' sake. Amen. Seated friends, Bruce. We have a couple of people who want to make some announcements.
0: Yes, Laura Bachman does right here. So,
3: friends, I bring a message from the outreach team today, and as we consider what extravagant acts of love might look like in the weeks to come, I invite you to think about the Palm Sunday offering that will be taken throughout our country at churches just like ours for the one great hour of sharing. Consider this. For nearly 18 months, life ground to a halt in Liberia. The Ebola virus ravaged not only the people, but it robbed them of their ability to provide for their families. The deadly disease took away more than people's health. Businesses and schools closed. Flights in and out of the country were suspended. For those inside the country, there was a sense of abandonment from the international community. As the economy deteriorated and people fled the region, the Liberian Council of Churches, a partner of the ministries supported by One Great Hour of Sharing, stayed to pray with the families and seek help for those in need, especially the thousands of children left orphaned by the virus and further abandoned by their communities. People were afraid of the children. They didn't want to be near them, even though the disease had gone. Helping these children has been especially important, as their abandonment mirrors the experience of the Liberian Council of Churches as a whole. One Liberian minister put it this way, During the Ebola crisis, we felt the ecumenical community abandoned us, especially in North America, but the Presbyterian Church USA stood by us and kept the lines of communication open. The three programs supported by One Great Hour of Sharing, Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, the Presbyterian Hunger Program, and Self-Development of People, have been working together to help both Liberia and Sierra Leone rebuild and rehabilitate. But their partnership began much earlier with the West Africa Initiative in 2007. Following years of civil wars, this initiative aimed to improve food security and the economic status of individuals, families, and communities. The communities involved in the West Africa initiative have experienced the same crisis as their neighbors, but the work supported through one great hour of sharing has supported their resiliency. Thanks to your continued support and the efforts of the OGHS programs to remain connected to their partners in the region, These communities are now on the road to economic recovery and are able to support and educate the orphaned children abandoned in their midst. Your gifts to One Great Hour of Sharing help support these strong and compassionate partners in West Africa on their long journey of recovery. Your generous and consistent contributions have enabled gifts of sustainable development and food security linked with them, the expertise, creativity, and commitment of our church partners there. The impact has been seen in communities that remain resilient in the face of the most difficult circumstances, knowing that in a time of great crisis and abandonment, the most important gift of your presence and commitment remains steadfast. Please give generously to one great hour of sharing to help support the progress in West Africa.
1: Ron, did you have a word for us about how Adam's doing? Thanks, Ron. Melanie Jones, I see you're here in the congregation. If anybody is interested in getting up and moving, she has some Zumba classes that she's starting for us next Saturday. You can see her in Fellowship Hall. Bruce, were there other announcements that you know of?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Okay. Um, We're also praying in gratitude for the beautiful flowers that you see behind us in the chancel. The Hayflees have offered them because of their new grandson, George Wilder, who was born in February. Isn't it nice to have a local grandchild? It really is. Congratulations to you both and to your extending family. We're also thankful for birthdays that have happened today. We're celebrating both um, Trudy Bartleson's birthday today, and earlier in the 8:30 worship service, we had an opportunity to celebrate with Clara Travis. Any Claire Brown sightings? Okay, so we can talk about her 100th birthday surprise. It's April 1st. I have cards here in case you would like to send them to her. We'd like to shower with a, her with 100 cards. See me afterwards if you'd like to participate with that. We're also giving thanks and praise that Dorothy Gaskin, a longtime member of this congregation and resident at Ram Place, has made a wonderful move out to the Rochester Presbyterian Home in February, and we're excited that she is out there and doing very, very well. We're also thankful that We have new members joining us this afternoon, so I would ask that those who are here today would stay in the sanctuary immediately following worship to meet your deacons and to meet some of the elders and some other representatives of ministries in this congregation. We're also thankful for the many ways that God works wonders with those who are experiencing natural disasters so that the funds that go to one great hour of sharing might be spread through Presbyterian disaster assistance to flood victims as those who nearly experienced it this year as well.
0: Sir. Thank you. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks for those birthdays we celebrate, those births we enjoy, for new life all around us. We pray today especially for those who face pain and discomfort in their lives and loss. We pray for those who find their way home to you by some other route other than ours, Who in Jesus' words are of another sheepfold. We pray for freedom and a wider knowledge of your love for those who wrap their faith or or their denomination around them as security. We pray for those who choose to live without you, they will feel in their souls the impress of your persistent call. And we pray that somehow our words might be matched by our deeds. Especially when we use the words taught us by Jesus, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. charge today is one to share. O Christ, what can your people bring to show you thanks and love? You need no fragrant offering, for now you reign above. Since there will never cease to be great need throughout our land, may we in worship praise your name and offer folks our hand. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us always. Amen.